Hello, and welcome back to the Long Distance Love Bombs podcast. I am your host, Dr. Jeremy Goldberg, and my guest today is Coot Blackson. This guy is a fucking dude. Uh, it's his second appearance. On the first episode, I remarked in the introduction that I think this was the least amount of words that I've ever spoken during a podcast because Coot just let fly with a series of TED Talks, essentially. It was outstanding. And in this conversation, I talked to him once more. And he's so eloquent. And he always makes me smile. And he makes me think. And he's just so good at communicating big ideas in a humble and understandable and inspiring manner. I just think he's great. For those that don't know Coot, he is a visionary in the world of human potential. He is an international speaker. He's a transformational teacher. He was born in Ghana, West Africa, to the child of a Japanese mother and a Ghanaian father who was a preacher. And you could tell that some of Coot's unique gifts and greatness come from his father, no doubt. Uh, he's got books out. He has online courses. He does events around the world. He's been on the Larry King show. I just... Uh, I really like this dude. He makes he makes my heart smile. And uh, in this conversation, we dive into the magic of surrender. And we get a little bit deep, a little bit philosophical, but I really enjoy the discussion around resisting reality versus radically accepting and surrendering to something greater that is calling you forward, that is guiding your life, that is offering a treasure hunt of sorts for you to embark upon through the course of the days and weeks and months that you call life. And we dive into the courage required to let go. We talk about his own process and practice of surrendering, what it means, what it looks like. And uh, yeah, it's, it's changed the way that I view surrender, I think. It's been a few days now since I spoke to him, but the idea that there is something larger and more grand, I suppose, out there is I think at least something worth considering as we are all grown children evolved from monkeys floating around a ball of fire in the sky. It does make sense to me that there is something more mysterious out there in wherever you describe there. So anyway... Here is Coot Blackson talking about the magic of surrender. Enjoy. All right. Coot Blackson, welcome back to the podcast, a returning, returning guest. Uh-oh, did you break the internet again? Are we good? I'm good. I'm good. Thanks for having me. Yeah, man. How uh, how you been? How's things? How are you dealing with the... Uh, the madness and the excitement of, of life in 2022. Yeah, it's been a, it's been a, it's been a cool start to the year. You know, I unexpectedly moved back to Los Angeles, which again, universe playing a cosmic joke on me because I didn't expect to move back. I think last I spoke to you was from Miami, I think, and back in LA. And so the universe never ceases to surprise me. The universe never ceases to uh, remind me that I'm not in control and life has a deep intelligence. And so, <laughs> and so, so, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm on for the ride, the ride that is life. Yeah. But it's been, it's been a beautiful, beautiful year. Yeah, you're, it sounds like you're practicing what you preach in the, the new book, the magic of surrender. You're, you're living it. Oh yeah. It's, it's, it's like, if you ever write a book, be careful what book <laughs> you write, because somehow the universe will, will invoke and challenge you to live the book. I've been beautifully invited, I think, by life to uh, understand and live the different nuances and angles of surrender from a like a Rubik's Cube diamond, you know, shape different aspects and sides of surrender in so many ways the last year, year and a half. Mm. It's been intense. It's been challenging. It's been amazing. It's been, it's been, it's been very, very liberating. In so many ways yeah and, yeah. and i think i don't know if i told you last but this was definitely not the book i thought i was going to write 
but the book that was seeking to to be written. And so, yeah, but I think life itself is a process of surrender. You know, all of life is a process of surrender, whether we're conscious or not, whether we're aware or not, whether we, it's not about if we surrender, it's really about how are we as human beings going to participate in the process of life that is surrender. Uh, and, and so we can either resist or we can participate with it consciously because the moment we're born, we start aging and 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, the body changes, the hair changes, the, the hair falls out, teeth fall, just stuff happens to the body. This is all surrendering. We have to surrender so we can resist or we can participate. And I think it's the willingness to say, okay, I'm going to practice surrender. I'm going to realize this is the nature of, of this reality. And to me, surrender is the open-hearted participation with the process of life that is happening. And the more we can do that, I think we bring ourselves into more of a flow. That doesn't mean life is easy. doesn't mean life isn't challenging in moments. But even when the challenges arise, even when the difficulties arise, we can participate with that. And I think one thing that really helps to participate is the willingness to the willingness to surrender, not just to a situation, but in a situation. And I think it's easier to do that when we remember that we are souls incarnated into this human experience. And as souls, we incarnate in order to grow, to learn, to evolve, to learn lessons. And every situation, every experience, every relationship is part of our soul's curriculum. And so when we shift our perspective from to that more soul viewpoint, then even when we're in a challenging situation, part of the surrender is saying, okay, let me not resist this. Let me, let me learn. What, what is my soul focusing on? What is my soul seeking to learn in this moment? What is my soul seeking to learn in this situation? What is my, why did I attract this situation? Why did I attract this person? What, what am I seeking to grow through and learn here? And I think when we can surrender and focus on that, it gives us the ability to go through a situation, difficult, challenging, hard, tough, with a different, with a different resilience, with a different understanding, with a different relationship, less resistance. When you, when you uh, said that you were pulled back to Los Angeles or you were nudged in that way, what does that look like to you or what did that feel like? like yeah, it's, it, it's so interesting because it wasn't my... It wasn't my plan. <laughs> uh, uh, in December, and, 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 I, and I look back at so many of the things that have happened, but I see that life has its intelligence and life has its own energy. Life has a flow. Life has an energy. It's like if you look at a lake that moves or, or a river that's very gentle, sometimes it looks like it's still but it's moving in a direction, right? And so I realized that life has a movement. It has a flow. It has a, a rhythm that is moving. And sometimes it can seem invisible. Sometimes it's not obvious because it's not a tsunami, right? Sometimes we resist so much, then life has no alternative but to throw the tsunami at us. But but, but as a whole, life has its own rhythm and intelligence. And so I was sit, sitting around in December. And so, you know, it, it wasn't like a thought like, oh, I'm going to move. I think I went onto a couple of sites and just curiously, innocently typed in apartments in Los Angeles, just out of curiosity, to be honest, kind of wondering what was happening in the real estate apartment world. And uh, just looked around. That was it, poked around. But I looked back and I realized that was the universe nudging me. You know, it was not, without my conscious intelligence and awareness and knowing, because it wasn't like, I'm going to move, I need to start looking. It was just, uh, let me just look. Not for me, just out of curiosity. And I think sometimes the universe's guidance and the universe's nudging often doesn't happen with a loud siren bell often doesn't happen like, this is God speaking to you. Listen, thou shalt move. You know, it often doesn't happen like that. It can be very subtle. And so I think the more we can begin to attune ourselves, to cultivate the sensitivity, to create the space, to really listen, we start listening. 
rather than talking out of our mind or constantly analyzing, let me just listen and see where is the flow going? Let me feel the wind of life. Where is it moving? Rather than projecting, when we're constantly projecting our ego and willpower and intentionality all the time, then you can direct the wind sometimes to a degree, but it may not be aligned, you know? And, and so to me, it's more about where are ah, the wind is moving over here. The wind, nature, nature is moving in this direction. And so I think part of the process of living in flow is feeling where nature is flowing, feeling where nature is moving and align, attuning, becoming sensitive and rearranging and aligning yourself with that. Because I think when we're in flow with nature, nature supports us. We're living in harmony with its laws. And that's when beautiful things happen. That's when magical things happen. And so I was just following that flow really innocently, you know, and felt into that. Okay. And then, yeah, I'm not going to move back to L.A. I left them. I'm not moving back to L.A. And then I think January hit. Ah, I'm going to LA, you know. And then my lease was up in Miami as March, March 4th is coming up based on the timing of this conversation. And then I just fell into it. It was a feeling. It's a sensitive a sensation. It's so subtle sometimes that we miss it. We miss the guidance because the guidance sometimes is so subtle. And I felt the wind. Like, LA, check LA, check And so I went back onto the site and I saw an apartment and I'm like, I'm not moving to LA. I took a, I did a video tour. When I saw the apartment, it just felt right. It just, for, 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 for my purposes of what I needed, it just felt right. And so that feeling of, it just feels, doesn't make sense to my mind, but it feels, feels right. Mm. It feels like the next move. This feels like where I'm meant to be. And I think one of the things that stops us from being in flow is we're constantly trying to figure things out with our mind. We're constantly analyzing things with our mind. We're constantly trying to like make sense of things with our mind. And that often blocks our flow. It blocks grace. It blocks flow because, well, this doesn't make sense, so I'm not going to do it. And, and so for me, it was giving up. It's been a process, many years, of giving up the need for something to make sense because the mechanism that we often use to make sense of a situation, of a relationship, of an experience is the mind. But the mind's capacity, based on our identity, is limited in nature. And so the mind is often only able to interpret and see something based on the level of our consciousness, the level of our evolution, the state of our nervous system. You know, the nervous system is the filter to interpret reality. Every single thing of life, information comes in and gets filtered through your nervous system. The nervous system is your connection and antenna to the world. As children, Every single thing that ever happened to us gets stored in our consciousness, gets stored in our nervous system. Everything dad said about life, money, everything mom said about life, money, everything we heard about religion, it gets stored in our nervous system, whether we remember it or not. Every pain, every hurt, every trauma, every insecurity, everything that hurt gets stored in our nervous system in some way. And so when information comes in from the external stimulus and environment, the nervous system is what filters it and interprets it for us to create a certain understanding and reality. So often what we think is reality isn't necessarily reality, right? What we think is reality is, the, is, is at best the interpretation that we're making up about an experience that we then get really sure about and get really righteous about, but we don't often realize that the reality that we're seeing is a projection based on the state, of the state of our consciousness, the state of our nervous system. So if we've been conditioned in some way in our nervous system, if we're carrying a lot of unprocessed, unhealed pain, hurt, emotion, trauma, etc., our nervous system's capacity to interpret and to see clearly and interpret clearly will be very clouded. 
which will then determine our reality in a certain way or what we think of as our reality in a certain way. And we, and we won't see reality as it is clearly. And so when we live from the ego and this identity, reality is very limited. You know, reality is very limited. And the ego is constantly trying to figure everything out and understand everything. So I just say, stop trying to understand everything for a moment and, and be open. Mm-hmm. The willingness to say, well, you know what? This is what it looks like. It, we tend to say, well, this is how it is. Then the next level is, well, this is what it looks like. Then the next level is, what if it wasn't? The next level is, I don't have a freaking clue, really. I mean, it looks like that, but I really don't know. I really don't know. And it doesn't mean you sit there and do nothing, right? Because sometimes people say, well, how do you even take action? It means you, 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 it means you do your personal development work, psychological work, therapeutic work, to, to heal as much as possible, to clear your physiology, your nervous system, et cetera, et cetera, as much as you can, so that you can interpret as clearly as you can. Once you've done, once, as you do that, then you do the best you can from the interpretation and level of your consciousness. But, but it's so important, I found, that we still hold our perceptions lightly. Because when we get attached to what we think we know, when we get attached to the way we think life is, when we get attached to the way we think reality is, we don't realize that we're actually limiting life. We're strangling life. We're strangling the moment rather than saying, I think this is what it is, but I don't know. And, I, and, 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 and I'm going to still take this action forward because it feels true, but I still don't know. And so there's a paradox of like, okay, I know this is what feels right, but the humility of I also don't know at the same time. That humility is an openness and an availability to life. And I think that's when life can meet us. That's when magic can happen. That is, you know, in practical terms, living surrender, take action. Mm. But, you know, I, I don't know. But I don't, it's not I don't know from a collapse or, a, you know, a, an abdication of responsibility. It's a, it's a full-hearted, I don't know, but I'm open to finding out. I'm open to letting life show me, letting life show me, letting life reveal itself without attaching, without pressing, without forcing. And so that's really, you know, I use that as a, kind of example of that's really what happened. So LA is not where I expect. I didn't expect to leave LA. I didn't expect to be in Miami. I didn't expect to be back in LA. And here right. I am. And, and so, you know, I think everything happens for a reason. And, and, and sometimes we don't always understand that reason in the moment, but it, we can rest assured it reveals itself to us for sure. Yeah. I love that, man. I'm hearing, I'm hearing things like, uh, curiosity is what started that. And then the yep. humility to recognize that you actually aren't in charge of the universe. My, my friend Leela says, I'm not the general manager of the universe. But then also, it seems like you've cultivated a faith, like a deep faith in trust in whatever is going to happen is, is the path. Is that fair? I think that like when I talk to people often here, like, oh, I really want to do this, or I really want to do that, or I'm being called here, I'm being called there. And then the brain switches on and the fear yeah. starts happening, that nervous yeah. system filter that you'll do. Look, on one level, perhaps what you're saying, there's some truth to it, okay, on one level. Uh, I would love to say that is just the case because it makes me sound great, but I will say <laughs> uh, part of the truth, if we're being really honest, is uh, I have failed so often. I have driven so hard trying to do things my way. I have forced so much trying to do things and make life contort and fit to my idea of how I think it should be and hit my head against the wall so much and experienced so much pain of things not working out the way I pushed it to be and forced it to be and manipulated it to be, that eventually life beat me into submission, you know, so to speak. And, and, and I've just reached a point where I had to throw my hands up and just say, okay, you know, I've tried life my, my way. I've tried to do it 
my way. I put my and, and not that it didn't work, it just was limited and it was frustrating. And, and mm. so it's through the it's through pain and banging my head against the wall and living from the egoic, uh, uh, ego-driven uh, drive and way that eventually I thought, you know what? It's not really working. It's not flowing. And then just little by little, I just began to trust life a bit more. And life showed me. And trust life a bit more. And life showed me. Trust life a bit more. And life showed me. And so it was a process and a cultivation. And, and, more, and, and the more I trusted life, the more it showed me, the more I just started having more faith and the more it showed me. And, and it, 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 then it, it's kind of like, okay, first I watched someone jumping off out of a plane. Then I visualized jumping out of a plane. Then I got out of the plane, got on the plane, but didn't jump off. Then I got on the plane and, and someone attached themselves to me and I jumped off tandem, uh, you know, a few, quite a few times. And eventually it was like, let me just jump off by myself. You know, and 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 it and so it was a cultivation and a process. It wasn't necessarily like boom, faith. Here we are. It was just eventually just jumping out without a parachute and going, oh mm. shit, how does this work? And seeing life carry me, you know. There and so the faith and the trust of the intelligence of life just be- begins to develop begins to expand begins to deepen you know and and that faith in the infinite intelligence you know i would invite everyone listening to really sit with this this, this innate intelligence like if you cut your finger right now you don't have to pray you don't have to meditate <laughs> you don't have to visualize you don't have to do some special manifestation you know, technique. You don't even have to be a good person. Like, there's an intelligence inside of you, right? That 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 knows how to heal itself. How does it freaking happen? I don't. E- I don't even know how it happened. I'm sure we can read about it. I don't know how it happens, but there is a in- innate intelligence inside of us that knows how to heal and bring your body back into armor. And so, I think we can just if people just start by saying, well. I don't have faith, but let me just look at, let, let's break it down biologically. Let me just look at my body. I eat food, digestion happens. Do we ever, have, have we ever sat to think about how does that happen? It's a freaking miracle, man. We don't sit here and go digest, 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 digest. digest. I got to do this special, you know, mantra and, you know, mudra. It's just, it happens. It's like, yeah. and we, and, and, and you don't have faith when every moment and you're breathing, I'm breathing, we're breathing. It's happening. Mm. Life is, so life is happening. It's just that we don't pay attention often to the miracle that we are. And so my invitation is just for everyone just to, our attention is hijacked by social media and hijacked by Instagram and Facebook and the news and what have you. And we're more aware of what's going on on the other side of the planet than the freaking miracle that's happening inside of your own being, inside of your own body, that there are trillions and trillions and trillions of cells right now interacting, co-mingling, making, you know, uh, working on your behalf to keep you alive, that we take for granted, but if you really just take the time to bring your attention there, if you really take the time to just go, wow, and sit with it and really sit with it, I think your faith can begin to grow. Like, wait a second, something is going on inside of me. Something is happening inside of this physiology. That alone mm. should give you a little bit of faith. Like, you went to sleep, you fell asleep. And people can argue, but when I'm awake, I do. You fell asleep, and somehow you freaking woke up. <laughs> you were gone, you were out, and something was still at work. Yeah. So, so let's question, wait, what is that intelligence? Let's get curious. What is that intelligence? I don't care. Some people call it God. Some people call it life force. Some people call it, I, I call it bulla bulla. It doesn't matter to me. 
But there's an intelligence that is functioning. And I think we just don't pay attention to that. And so when we can reconnect with that intelligence, reconnect with that you know, innate intelligence that is there, mm-hmm. it knows how to heal, it knows how to do, it knows how to, well, does it also not know how to unfold my life? Does it also not know how to unfold my entire existence? My father, when I was a kid, young kid, he would ask me, 10, 11 years old, when I was stressed about, you know, what 10-year-old 10, 10 kids stress about, which is really nothing, right? <laughs> he would say, why are you worried? Did you bring yourself to this planet? No. Did you birth yourself here? No. Who brought you here? You? Like, I mean, you know, uh, who brought you? Life. And so he would say, do you not think this intelligence that brought you here knows what to do? And so, so often as human beings, we're constantly getting in our own way. And the more we live in our egoic identity, we're trying to like force life and make it happen and force it and push it in a direction. Then we even pray to God. Like it, 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 I, was, I was joking with someone, when we pray to God, telling God the universe life, infinite intelligence, what we want and what we need. I was like, do you not think this infinite intelligence that birthed you into existence knows what the hell you need with your life? Or you think God just happened to forget life, infinite, they happened to forget what's in your highest good? You know, and so we live disconnected mm. from this faith. So I think we just look around. Life has a way of working things out. Life has mm. a way of unfolding things. And I think when we can live with that openness again, then we're available. Just many times we don't live with that openness and, and we're, we're, we're sort of like energetically, spiritually constipated because we're, we're, we're fighting against the flow. We're not truly saying, I'm gonna, I'm gonna fully just trust and surrender. Or, or imagine we cut our finger and we keep scratching. Because if I scratch it and I do something, then it's gonna heal faster. No, we're just creating more of a scar. This is how we live. We keep scratching, keep scratching, keep scratching. Or, or, or imagine you you have a garden or a farm and you plant some seeds. It's like you keep go, we keep as human beings, we keep going to the farm, to the seeds, to, to dig up, to see, did it grow yet? A week goes, we dig it up some more, did it grow yet? What is it? You've got to like let nature unfold. Mm-hmm. But if we keep digging stuff up from the earth, it never grows. And I think this is how we often live. We don't allow nature to grow. And life has been around much longer than you and I. You know, you and I, we've been around 20, 30, 40 years. Okay, maybe someone listening to this conversation is 150. Fair enough. But 150, 13.5 billion years, 4 billion years, whatever. It's like, it's no comparison. And so life knows. And so I think the more we can observe our body, tune into our breath, pay attention, Mm. meditate on the reality of, of what's happening Observe nature. That's why I think nature is beautiful too. And we can be with nature and observe nature and see the cycles and the rhythms. It, it, it begins to remind us there's a cycle, there's an intelligence, you know. And so for me, it's kind of like that. Yeah, I, I love that. One of the, the things that I often try to bring up when I'm a guest on podcasts is the idea that we are all on a sphere and half the world is upside down at any given time. But like nobody knows they're upside down, but they are. And then we're spinning around, as you suggest, for billions of years. Earth has just been spinning. And then also circling around a giant ball of fire that's just floating in the sky. And we forget that. And we try to focus on our problems and we make ourselves the center of the universe. And we forget that there's this grand cosmos that's been happening for billions of years. It's like, and we convince ourselves, no, 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 but I'm in control of this whole thing. It's like, yeah. where, where is, it's like thinking you're in control is like a mosquito on the ass of an of a, a freaking elephant. It's like, well, we're not really in control. I mean, we have a little bit of control, you know, but not that much. I mean, we maybe yeah. we can control. I mean, some of us as human beings, we can barely control what we put in our mouth, <laughs> let alone the world mm-hmm. and the universe and other people. And so I think it's humbling to realize. Yeah. You have this great quote in your book 
that I loved, which said, the ego thinks it knows how your life should go. And when things don't go according to plan, it judges your life a failure and then tries to force a result. And I read that and was like, oh, dang, I've done that. I still do that. Why do I do that? (laughs) Right? You know, and and, and I would say, you know, forcing. Well, well, first I would just say, you know, the ego is not the enemy, but the ego does create limitation. And the ego is really just created out of survival. There's certain survival mechanisms that we learn that created the ego, the identification based on memories, past, emotions, et cetera, et cetera, uh, 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 as a way to function, survive, and protect us. And we're still living inside of that, you know? And, and so the whole ego's job is to reinforce its existence and keep us safe, right? It's the ego's job. And so to surrender and let go. It's terrifying for the ego because, well, what will I be if I'm not existing? What will I be if I'm not controlling and forcing? And and so I think when we realize that the ego has positive intention, we can begin to step back and not fight it, but begin to have compassion for it, you know? And I think when we can meet this this ego, which is not who we are, we think it's who, who we are, but it's not what we are. This ego is a collection of patterns that we've identified as. And if we can start to meet, to observe it, have some space and meet it with compassion, meet it with, with kindness, meet it with easefulness, meet and have a holding space to hold this patterning that we've been conditioned into, it, it creates some spaciousness that is very, very healing. And so when we force, and so that's why the ego always has to be doing something and forcing and wants to be in control because I, it has the sense of, well, I'm real. I exist. I, I, I exist. So surrender feels like a death to the ego. But when we force in terms of like manifestation, I actually feel we, we tend to push away what we really want more than we do attract it. When we force things, we tend to push away things because to me forcing is an energy that's coming from fear forcing is an energy that's coming from i don't trust i don't trust that this is going to happen i don't really believe that this is going to happen and because i don't believe it's going to happen i got i have to force it like you're not sitting here i'm not sitting here going i have to breathe right we're not forcing our breath it's happening because we know it's happening. There's a knowing. There's a knowing it's happening. There's no force there. It's just the nature of like, mm. it's beyond knowing, right? It's beyond belief. It's beyond faith. We know. We don't even think about it. It's just breath is happening. And so when we're living in force, it's coming from a place of fear, lack, scarcity, lack of belief. Then we push it away more because that's the energy we're putting out. So we don't even realize we're pushing away what we want to manifest the more we chase it the more we force it. And so I would just invite people to just sit in the center of your being, sit in the center of your power and be. No, like in the Bible, there's a quote. I'm probably going to butcher the quote because I'm not a Bible scholar, but I remember it from my childhood. Be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am. I think when we can be still and know, remain in our center, then we don't have to force. We can live in flow. We can allow life to, to, to meet us, and show us. And then when it's time, when it's truly time to act, we can go into action. But when it's time to be still, we can be still. Because many of us as human beings, and I've been guilty of this, we're just being busy to be busy to be busy because our ego is freaked out that it won't happen if we don't do it. Mm. But I think part of the shift is realizing that we're really not to do what life is to do. Back to another Bible quote. You know, I, I, I've not quoted the Bible in years. All of a sudden, <laughs> I'm quoting the Bible. But, but Jesus said, to me, Jesus was a representation of someone who realized his true nature. Okay. And Jesus said, you know, the miracle worker, feeding the 5,000, turning water into wine, 
chewing the blind and the sick. He said, it's not I, I, that does the work. It's the Father that does the work through me. Consciousness, life, intelligence, nature, the Father, the Mother, the Divine. In the intelligence that does the work through me. So he knew it wasn't me, it wasn't I, it wasn't ego. So I think when we realize that, life, life knows what it's doing. Life knows what it's doing. That we don't have to force. We can sit still and trust the great intelligence that is us, the great intelligence that is living us to trust it and be available to. And for me, my prayer more and more has become universe, just use me. Use me. I'm available. Use me. And when we do that, when we surrender there, we I feel we open ourselves up beyond ourselves. In spite of our own bullshit, in spite of our own limitations, in spite of our own history, when we truly say, use me, I am available to be used, the highest good, then we tap into us kind of infinite grace and potentiality and possibility of life and universe. And you will find that life begins to use you in ways that you cannot imagine. And I have found that what life can do through me and through you is way beyond what you and I, just in our own ego's capacity, can do on its own. And to me, that's true greatness. That's real greatness. We're talking the Mandela greatness. We're talking the Buddha greatness. We're talking the Muhammad Ali greatness. We're talking the Mother Teresa greatness. Like that's real greatness, true greatness. And it takes such bravery, I feel, to get to that place of just wide open. Use me at your will. I trust <laughs> you. Right? I feel like it's a, a courageous act. Surrender. You but said. I think it- it's what we look. Well, first I'll just say, I think it's what we all deep down we want. It's what we want. It's what mm. we crave for. Look, people go out. I don't drink personally. Not a moral thing. I just don't like the taste. But folks go out. We have some drink. Why? Why do we drink? Okay, there might be a group of people that enjoy the taste. Fair enough. But why do we drink? Because typically, when we, when people drink, you get a little loose. Right? I feel, feel, feel a little more loose. So I feel a little looser to, to have fun, to, be, to just be free of myself, free of my typical identification that is my egoic like self. But now I'm dancing and I'm free. I'm, I'm, I'm in flow. I'm just open. As like, but before, I'm just like rigid. Now I'm free. Okay. Why do I get drunk to the point where, because I don't exist in that moment. I. That, that boundary of art. Why do we do drugs? Ah, same reason. Orgasm. What happens in the moment of orgasm? In the moment of orgasm, you dissolve. A few seconds. Like, boom. It's blissful. It's blissful partly because you in that moment are not there. <laughs> You're like unlikely the moment of an ejaculation orgasm. You know, you're not thinking in that moment. Gotta pay the bills, gotta pay the bills, gotta pay the rent. It's just like boom, ah, free of myself, free of myself. I'm and boom, comes back. And that's why often people get addicted to sex and orgasm, what have you, because it's like, wow, I got free of myself. So I gotta do more of that to get free of myself. And and we we seek that level of surrender and freedom out there through the act. And so it's a good intention. It's just a misguided path. It's a misguided methodology. And we're seeking it through drugs, sex, rock and roll, alcohol, et cetera, et cetera, fill in the blank. Nothing wrong with those things inherently. It's just we have to be conscious and aware of what we're using them for. And so there's 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 an impulse for freedom that we're seeking. You know, there's an impulse. And so I think it's natural. The desire to surrender, the desire to surrender beyond ourselves, transcend ourselves is natural. But what I do want people to think about is, is to let go, is to surrender the belief that it's hard. I'm not saying there aren't challenges. 
But surrender has been challenging because we've been addicted and attached to our ego and our identities. Surrender has been challenging to a degree because we've been conditioned in certain ways and defense mechanisms that we think this is who we are and, and it's survival. And, and so, yes, it, it can be a little difficult in moments, for sure. But what I want, I want people to just understand is, it, I'm going to say it might sound strange. Surrender is easy. Let it be easy. Like, let it be easy. It's actually harder to not surrender. It's actually harder to live a life of resistance and resistance and resistance and holding on. That's hard (laughs) if we reframe it for a moment. And, And so here we are. I'm holding a pen for those listening. I'm holding a pen. I have a fist. My fist is holding this this pen. And imagine that that this represents one's own attachment and resistance. And I, me, right? And and, and so that's hard to hold on so tightly like that. It's just that we've we've gotten used to holding on and we think this is normal. We think this is who we are. We think this is just the nature because we've we've been living with a tight fist for our entire life. It's conditioning. So now what's hard becomes natural and normal. But if you look at surrender, well, how hard is that? How how hard is it to drop and let go? It's easy. It's just we're being conditioned in the opposite. So if people could just hold within their consciousness, surrender's not hard. And we rather than you know, we hypnotize ourselves, it's hard, it's hard, it's like. This isn't hard. It's the easiest thing. We've just been conditioned otherwise, you know. I think that can that can start shifting one's relationship. Yeah, because also the ego also wants it to be hard. Because the ego loves the things to be hard. It wants to suffer. It wants the things to be difficult. It wants to work hard and have it be suffering. Because that's again how it reinforces itself. Because if I have to. It has to be hard. It's going to be suffering. Now I have something to do and create resistance, and now I exist. Yeah, that's an interesting perspective that the ego creates the problem so that it has a place to exist and create the solution. The ego's job is to seek and 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 keep seeking and never find. It seeks, but it doesn't want to find because the moment it really finds, Let's just say mm. enlightenment or truth. What the hell is it going to do? Mm. It's finished at that moment. So it doesn't want to really find. It wants to keep seeking at the sneakiest way. The sneakiest place that the ego hides. It's in plain sight. And the sneakiest way that the ego hides. My challenge some people. But I saw it for myself. The sneakiest way that the ego hides is in spirituality spiritual seeking because it's acceptable it's good to see you know but but it, it and it seeks seeks and seeks and seeks and seeks and we miss it because we think no well, this is good but it hides because then we never find it it doesn't want to wake up it doesn't want to find so we have to be aware of this intention for sure yeah that's a big one Especially in the the personal development space, the idea that the ego actually does not want to wake up. It doesn't, because waking up means death. Waking up means I don't exist. So why would it try to annihilate itself? Yeah, It doesn't want to. It wants to do more shit, more this, more that, more that. Give me this technique. Give me that technique. Give me another technique. Give me another technique. And now you're freaking 92 years old. Another technique. It just... It doesn't want to find, it doesn't yeah. want to wake up. It wants more shit to do. It wants more complicated shit to do to make it feel important, make it feel real. Yeah, I remember, you know, coming across individuals who have been to various retreats and listened to podcasts and blah, blah, blah. And, oh, I've been to nine Tony Robbins events. And I remember thinking like, he's, he's failed you. Like, what, <laughs> like, not him personally, but like, Nine, like that's a lot, right? And so we can get in these traps of I don't know seeking. enough yet. Yeah, the seeking trap. Seeking trap. That's something that eventually has to be surrendered. And we're, we're going a little deep here, but but what I would love to say is at a certain point, 
is a bit more advanced. Spirituality has to be surrendered. This concept of spirituality has to be surrendered. It reaches a moment that that crutch has to be surrendered. Then what is there? There's just being. There's just living life. There's just being here right now. There's just being, there's just truly being here right now, living this moment, loving in each moment. Just being. That's it. Yeah. And to me, that is, that is profoundly spiritual. As you start recognizing the inherent spirit, everything. And that doesn't mean just like, oh, I'm doing yoga, I'm doing therapy, I'm doing a medicine journey, I'm doing this, I'm doing that. I'm just living life because it's all God. It's mm. all spirit. It's all sacred. Shitting is sacred. Having sex with my wife is sacred. Changing my kids' diapers is sacred. Having, you know, coffee and looking someone in the eyes is sacred. All of it is freaking sacred. Then there's no separation. The ego that wants to keep seeking, I'm spiritual, look at me, I'm not doing this special technique. It, 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 you have to be aware. Yeah. Seeking at a certain point has to end, has to stop. I had this dude on the podcast named Francis Weller. Are you familiar Francis, with this? Francis who? Weller. Francis Weller. And he, he talked about the idea that it's not sacred and not sacred, but rather sacred and desecrated. In that if your eyes and your heart is open, everything is holy. And that we have, we have mistakenly uh, desecrated things that are sacred and called them not sacred. Everything, everything. It's all, yeah. And, and that's why spiritual and not spiritual, right? Mm. It's, 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 it's all sacred. It's all holy. It's all spiritual. Every moment. Every moment. Yeah. And, and just, just sitting here, you know. It's, it's like, wow, palm trees. Look at that. The, the, the roof, the mountains. Amazing. Yeah. I read this, uh, this article once about a guy that went and visited with Ramdas. He said he went and sort of as he was getting older towards the end of his life, and they sat there for about 15, 20 minutes, and not a word was said. And the, the guy was just nervous, you know, was taking it in. And then finally, Ramdas sort of looked at him and said, this, <laughs> like, that was it. It's like this, this whole thing, like we're sharing it together and what a beautiful connection we have. And I feel on some level, that's what you're suggesting as well. Yeah. It's like, this is it. It's surrendering this. that, you can surrender in the game of spiritual seeking, surrendering, surrendering it, you know, mm. then, then it frees you up to just be like, talk about Ramdas to pay him respects to be here now. Hmm. There's nothing more spiritual than that. Just being here right now. Yeah. And being where you are whenever you're there. Being wherever you are whenever you're there. Being wherever you are with whoever you're with. And just... Yeah, but Coot, but Coot, the ego hates that idea. It's like, it can't of be that course. easy. <laughs> it's not that simple. It can't be. It's impossible. <laughs> You know, on one level, it's not that easy. On another level, it's the, it's the easiest. Yeah. It's, it's that paradox. Yeah, you go and hang out with a baby or a toddler, and they are entirely present. Like, they are absolutely here right now. They're there. Yeah. So okay. it's in us. It's a matter of just remembering or unlearning all the things we've placed on top of that knowledge, that inherent wisdom we speak of. And, 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 and you know, acknowledging that sometimes part of the seeking is part of the journey as well, mm. you know, and, and that's part of the journey. So it's not about, Oh, I'm going to just stop seeking, you know, but sometimes a candle needs to burn itself out <laughs> and that's part of the journey. But I think when we can do that with level of awareness, mm. okay, I'm seeking right now. And it's, it's what's happening right now and it's what's happening and I'm aware of it. And I'm with it. And it's part of what's necessary in my evolution right now. And that's okay with awareness. Yeah. 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 All right, brother. I know you've got a new uh, paperback that's out that you wanted to highlight and you have an event uh, coming up. For yeah. Then the 
just just in a nutshell, the, the the magic of surrender book is coming out on paperback. Love for people to get that. But I'm doing a, a very special event on May the seventh, Saturday, May the seventh. Um, it's a virtual event. It's a live seminar, three hours. We're going to deep dive. It's called Reinvent Live Online, and uh, it's going to be a deep dive into what it takes to truly reinvent yourself and connect to your authentic nature and how do you live that in the world given the times that we're going through. So it's going to be a very, very, I think, life-changing, inspirational three hours. Um, to find out more, people can go to coopblackson.com, my name, coopblackson.com forward slash reinvent seminar, coopblackson.com forward slash reinvent seminar. Go there, find out the info. Uh, once When you get the paperback book, uh, you get to attend the event. That's your participation. So everyone get the book, share with your friends. Uh, May the 7th. Yeah. That's cool. So how do you, so if I buy the book, how do I prove that that's my ticket to the. Event? Yeah. It, it, it's all, it's all on the website. Oh, okay. It's all on the website. Yeah. Once, once you buy, once you go to the website, buy the book, you'll see a buy the book uh, link and then get your receipt, scan your receipt. You'll cool. see a place to send it. Boom. So yeah. And three hours, man, that's going to be hardy. Three not- hours is nothing, man. I'm used to doing, <laughs> I'm used to doing 18 hour days. I'm used to doing in, in live sessions, you know, yeah. I'm used to doing, uh, I, I just love what I do. So I'm used to doing yeah, 20 hour days. The longest day I did in an event, it, it was a five day event on the fifth day. This was like my, my, my apprentices, deep, uh, high level uh, graduates. We start on the fifth day, which was Sunday. We started at 11. Our first break, this is not obviously for this event, but our first break was 9 p.m. And then we came back at 10 and we've ended the day at 7 a.m. the next day. So three hours is nothing. nothing. But but it's going to be an event full of value and transformation and healing. uh, It's going to be powerful. Awesome, brother. Well, thanks again for stopping by. Thanks for all you do. I appreciate your perspective, man. I've... uh, a lot of alignment with the way I see the world as well. It's very refreshing to uh, to hear your version of it. And uh, awesome. thank you for what you do, man. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Absolutely. So that was Coot Blackson. As mentioned, he has an upcoming virtual online badass event that you could sign up to. I've included a link in the show note for that. And uh, also, he's been here before. If you haven't heard the first episode that he uh, spits so much fire on. Uh, I invite you to check that one out. It's so good. And uh, that's it. That's it from me. My name's Jeremy. You can find me online at Long Distance Love Bombs. Send me a message. And, uh, whoa, I thought the smoke alarm was going off there for a second, but it's the oven telling me that uh, it's time to go bake some bread. So maybe that's a sign that my time is up. But thank you for being here. Thank you for the, uh, the support, for sharing the podcast. If you know somebody that needs to listen to this thing, do pass it along. That is the way that the ripple effect happens, and that is the way that we change the world, by offering encouragement and support to those around us that we care about. And may you continue that indefinitely.